Hi, I'm James Crowley, and I want to hear every song that's ever existed. And that's what I try to do on my podcast, James Crowley's Infinite Playlist. In each episode, I bring on a comedian, a friend, a writer, some sort of creative person to make a playlist catered to a certain theme. And we break it down track by track, sharing stories, thoughts, and just a lot of laughs about each song. So listen to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist wherever you get podcasts, and I'll jam out with you next time. Welcome to another episode of On the Impossible Pod. Today we are talking about the anti-capitalism anthem of the whole album, Nice Things. So we've talked a good amount about this song in the last episode when we were talking about On the Impossible Pass, which clearly was like the perfect little lead-in to the reality check that is Nice Things. Um, So today I'm here, well not here, because uh, this is actually a Skype call uh, because I have a friend, Cecilia, who's a little far away from me, but definitely really wanted to talk about this song. So hi, Cecilia. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I'm glad that we can make this work. I had a few people that I was going to be doing Skype calls with, and then everything ended up lining up so we could either do them in person or it switched around. So I'm excited to experimentally do this with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, yeah. Thank you. And Cecilia just got back from vacation. So like everybody who keep people keep coming on my podcast right after they get back from vacation. And I don't know what that means about this, but I'm just going to keep rolling. with it. <laughs> it's been a weird pattern so far. I love that. So Cecilia, why don't you just, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and we'll get into your Menzinger journey and everything afterwards. Sure. So, um, I'm calling from Michigan today. That sounds like a bad, um, like game show (laughs) (laughs) it really does spin the wheel uh, yes uh uh, i live in uh grand rapids michigan um just me and my dog nova i'm obsessed with her um (laughs) i i don't know what else i like i work at a nonprofit for affordable housing which is fun and keeps me busy um and i love the missing hell yeah (laughs) i i was thinking recently how i love that uh we're able to talk about this song specifically together because i feel like the work that you do in your in the nonprofit that you work in it's just like like here i feel like this song is something that i don't know i i relate the two together because i feel like the the plights of capitalism and you know uh, all the the bad situations that people are thrown in because of their shitty you know hand that they're dealt um kind of plays a lot into the work that you do and I feel like we'll talk about that a little bit more but I just thought that was a very interesting tie-in that made sense to me yeah yeah uh one of the reasons I picked this song um I have a lot of weird like nerdy uh fiery anger for things like this (laughs) that's perfect and we'll definitely get into that um I'm very excited about that actually um so me and Cecilia actually we know each other we met at Riot Fest right like because you knew my friend Gabby 
Yeah, I think and that is the first time we met. I think yeah. that's what it is. So basically, we're internet friends. <laughs> and um, the second time that we met is when you guys drove out from where from Michigan, obviously, to come to one of the Scranton holiday shows. So that was fucking awesome. Yeah, that that was fun. That was, that was great. I like wasn't gonna go to that show, and Gabby's like, Cecilia is gonna be there. We're going to Scranton. I'm like, wait, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Because <laughs> I had yeah. just like the month before and I was like nah fuck it we're doing it let's go <laughs> that was yeah, great we did, yeah we decided to do that trip uh two days before the show <laughs> and, oh, wait, oh uh, my god yeah and we I, essentially drove there went to the show went to bed woke up at 7 a.m and drove home the next day it was fun. <laughs> how long of a drive was that uh I think it's like around like 10 11 hours maybe um <laughs> a couple people that's really not too bad no it wasn't bad at all yeah. that's awesome oh I love it that's the best and you know <laughs> Cecilia's just generally awesome so obviously we had to have her here so um Cecilia why don't you tell me a little bit about how what got you into the men's singers like how you know you got to a point where you're talking to me right. <laughs> yeah um I'm not I I tried to think about this and I can't even remember who showed me the <laughs> singers or how I found them but I went back in my Spotify and I found that I had saved um in an impossible past song from like 2012 like a couple months after it had come out okay. uh, and so it must have came up on like a radio or something um but then I I just listened to them from then on out and it, I was really my only friend who listened to them and <laughs> uh everyone was like I don't care I don't care and I was like all right well whatever um and then I um, I had missed a couple opportunities to see them between 2012, 2014 from being in school. And um, the first time I saw them was actually at a uh, blood fest in 2014, oh. RIP blood fest. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so sad. Um, for, for people who don't know what blood fest is, it was this tiny little festival that was in Howell or Heartland, Michigan, kind of right next door to each other. Um, that was in an old high school. Um, and so essentially bands would play, um, in the cafeteria and, uh, <laughs> like in the gym. And like, I saw like huge bands play in, um, like a cafeteria. It was awesome. Um, amazing. Yeah, I saw Hawthorne Heights for the first time at Bloodfest. Oh, like, shit! <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, I mean, that makes uh, perfect sense. Yeah, and I mean, I saw, like, modern baseball for the first time there, and they played a classroom where, like, oh my uh, maybe, maybe 40 people fit in the room. It was fun. But, That's so, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Bloodfest is fun. It's sadly over now. Um, the, last year, 2019 was last year. Um, they had their graduation, and so everything. Oh. So it was, it was cute. Yeah, uh, the the school they had it at wouldn't let us do it there anymore, or wouldn't let Bloodfest do it there anymore. So they um they kind of decided if they couldn't do it there, they didn't want to do it anymore. That makes so, sense. Um, but uh, yeah, we saw Camp Cope last year. That was fun in oh, a in a awesome. gym. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so wild. I didn't know the part about it being in a school. I knew it was in a weird place that it shouldn't have been, but I did not know where. <laughs> like, they had, like, cafeteria tables set up where you ate, like, slices of pizza from a vendor outside. <laughs> That's amazing. And, that it, and so it's really cool. cool. And it's cool because, like, it's um, it's uh, school still, and so there's no smoking or drinking on the property, so it's just, like, wholesome fun for the entire day. That's uh, adorable. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so I saw them in 
2014 at Bloodfest, and I actually um, wasn't feeling well, and so I went to the car to sleep, um, to take a nap <laughs> before them, because I was like, uh, didn't feel good at all, and uh, I had set 19 alarms to make sure that I woke <laughs> up in time, <laughs> and um, I remember hitting like the 16th and being like, ah, shit, I gotta go, and um, if anyone's <laughs> If anyone's listening and they know anything about Bloodfest, you have to park in like a Target parking lot, um, like maybe a quarter of a mile from the school. And then there's a big field you have to go through. And all I can't imagine watching me just run full <laughs> through, <laughs> through this field to make it to the men's ears. And I, I remember like skirting around the corner into the gym and they had just like dropped the first note of their first song. And I was like, yeah. Oh and, my uh, God. Perfect timing. <laughs> So that's the first time I saw the men's singers. It was it was awesome. That's um, fantastic. I love that. But uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I was gonna say obviously you got some of your friends into the men's singers eventually if you you know guys chose to take a trip down to Scranton. So were you the person yeah. who kind of did that, or did you just find people who ended up being into the men's singers? Uh, I think I kind of did it. I'm not even trying <laughs> to be like oh, I did this. Uh, but um, I I lived with a bunch of my really good friends. Uh in 2013 um right as I was getting into the men's singers and I think I would just play them all the time and um my friends are already into you know this genre and uh slowly converted them all and now we have our own little Grand Rapids group of um friends and um I put out a tweet last night asking people about this song and my friend Connor uh responded and he was like I'm gonna text you and I was like okay and he <laughs> said, um I got into the men's singers the first time because after we graduated, so the night of our graduation, we went to the this bar called Mulligans in East Town. That's essentially a trash hole, but so much fun. <laughs> um, and he goes, "You were you were really drunk, and all you could do was talk to me about how great the Menzingers was, and I was stupid for not listening." <laughs> <laughs> like my graduation day, I finished five years of college, and that's all I could talk about. Um, and I think. He said it's because um, I had put obituaries on the jukebox and I, and I thought about it more and I remember I had put it on five times in a row because this bar was really um, good at skipping songs so I wanted to make sure that it wasn't oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so uh, that's I'm pushy to my friends so to the men singers apparently um, so yeah that's and, amazing. yeah and I've met a lot of people through shows um, and through Twitter talking about going to shows you know it's nice because the men singers stop here on almost every u.s tour because their tm scotty lives in lansing um, oh right right and so we get really lucky because we normally get a stop i'm guessing because of scotty so thanks scotty uh, <laughs> that was convenient right yeah so usually we get about two shows a year which is nice for you know um people who don't live in the midwest don't know but we get skipped a lot up here in michigan for right, shows of course. So, but yeah, we usually get two a year, and so every year I'm trying to, or every show I try to drag more people, and we've kind of made our own little uh, groupie, I guess. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I just picture you with, like, a giant 17-passenger bus just picking up <laughs> everyone in Grand Rapids. Just like, here we go. Let's fucking go, guys. It's time. Come on. Get in the, get in the van. Everyone in the van. Um, 
I love the idea of that. I want that to be real. I'm going to start doing that. I mean, you guys sound like you could. So Yeah, I don't see why not. And also, we have way too many shows. So it would just be like, okay, you know, we're spoiled over here because it's yeah. like either in Pennsylvania or New York or New Jersey. We're kind of like where I am is like in the Mecca of it all. So I take for granted how often they come and play. Um, but to hear like, oh, yeah, two shows a year. And then you're lucky for that. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, holy shit. That really puts things into perspective. Yeah, like, I really do feel lucky we get two. I'm like, oh, yeah, we get a spring show and a fall yeah. show? Hell yeah. <laughs> I get that. My my sibling just moved to Albuquerque, uh, I think, last uh, April. And it really made them realize, like, oh, shit, like, uh, tours skip this almost every single fucking time. <laughs> like, that's hard. Um but I guess the the benefit is that, like, the bands that are local to you, of course, will always play around a little bit more, which is good. And you guys have yeah. some good bands from over there, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else to do but play music in the dead of winter, I guess. So. <laughs> That's a very good point. You can't really get distracted. No. That's awesome. <laughs> Sweet. So, um, you know, as I like to do with everybody, um, I love to ask a Menzingers related question before um, moving into talking about the song. So for you, I would love to talk about Hello Exile, I guess, because there's not a lot of these that I've been able to record since that album's come out. So I'd love to know maybe like what are your top tracks um, yeah. or what's your favorite? Like, like, why don't you, I guess, just give me a little bit about uh how you feel about the album? Yeah, so um, when the singles came out, I kind of was like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of people were like that. Yeah, um, me too. Then I sat down and I listened to it in full. Um, I think I was just at my house and I was like, there's some pretty good stuff on here. And then it takes me, it takes me quite a long time to actually get into albums. Um, I'm very much the human who like still listens to devotion and desire by bayside like you know <laughs> uh, <on the> loop, so. <laughs> yeah just the song like people are like please change it um anyways <laughs> but um uh so yeah and, and so last night I, I i put on the whole album on the plane home and i guess my top three is i love last to know and yes. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, but I also haven't talked to a lot of people about the album, but um, it just like spooky to me almost in, in, a, yeah. in a way. <laughs> yeah. I also very much feel like this kind of hit home for me. And so I think that's one reason why I'm really like into this song. And right at the beginning of the song, you know, you get into it and it says, um, tonight I won't start a fight. You barely made a sound. We put your mother into the ground. Some words are never found. And I yeah. like, um from experience um yeah just really really, uh the last uh, line of that some words are never found um you that I was like I can feel him say that which is crazy um so that song just hits home but then I am obsessed with London drugs and I don't know why (laughs) (laughs) that song is so fun it's just like fun it's it's a fun song on this album that's relatively serious and nostalgic and like it's just I don't I, I get a good vibe from that song. I yeah. love that so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like it and I think it's just because like it, it's just easy, but it's but like you said, it's it's serious too. And I feel like that's a lot of our lives right now yeah. where it's like life's hard and serious, but we kind of all just put on the smile and walk through. So right. um, that's what that song reminds me of, which is cool. I agree. Um 
And then I also really like Strawberry Mansion, but yeah. I think it's I think it's just the way he sings, and it's not even about the words, like, in this song that I really like, so. Um, I'm completely, Strawberry Mansion is probably my favorite on the album, just, like, for the feel of it. I really don't, haven't thought that much about the lyrical content. I just <laughs> like that song the best, yeah. just based on, like, I love how it comes in, I love, like, the riff at the beginning, and, like, how the drums pop it, I love all of it. And uh, it's weird because with the Menzingers, I'm so used to analyzing everything about what they're saying. <laughs> but this is kind of like my easy fling of a song where I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, cool. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think like as we're talking about nice things, you know, it's a very politically like really more about life in general, not a certain situation um, song. And then, I mean, you have America, you're freaking me out on this album too, which is like, yeah. I was waiting for a song like this for them <laughs> to come out with. And I was like, oh, thank God it's on here. <laughs> like, Seriously, like there's yeah. no better time than now for, for yeah. them to just finally like take down the, the veil of professionalism for a moment yeah. and be like, you know what? I'm going to say what I've been saying, but like with literal words. Like, I'm just going to be uh, frank. <laughs> Not Frank, but then, you know, I'm just going to tell yeah. her how it is. Yeah. I love it. Also, best music video. So fucking good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> the moment that I saw the fucking alien with the Jason mask from I Don't Want to Be an <laughs> Asshole anymore, I was like, you guys fucking snapped. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so yeah. great. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, I love it. So thank you. Yeah, you your favorites are very similar to mine. I I kind of shuffle in my my top couple of that album because quite frankly, like I like Tom's songs the best on that album. Um so like Last to Know, um, Portland and Strawberry Mansion are like really where I go to when I go to that that record now after, you know, a couple of months of sitting with it. Um and Last to Know especially is like I don't know, it there is a lot of religious symbolism on on Hello Exile, but I just that that first opening verse, just like the visual of just like I killed another man. You're like, wait, what the fuck? What? Where did this come from? It's <laughs> so intense, and it's so funny because um, the last show that I went to was um, in Philly, and it was when they were playing songs that they don't normally play, um, and they literally had just played fucking Charlie's Army. So I'm sitting there. With- <laughs> giant smile on my face literally just like cannot wipe the smile off my face and then they go into last to know and i'm like with this broad smile on my face singing the words like jesus christ be damned i got the dagger in my head like and i'm thinking about how i look and i'm like this is fucking weird i hope someone just like was recording it and just zoomed in on your face (laughs) and they're like watch out for this woman (laughs) do not go to men's shows near this woman steer clear (laughs) they're gonna like ban you from shows now because of that <laughs> i'm gonna have to come up with a disguise and get a really good wig just so no one thinks i'm a fucking murderer oh i love it i can't wait oh, uh, those, are, those are great answers and i it, going back to london drugs as well like i love how they can kind of have both sides of the coin where it's like we have this song about capitalism and like how it fucks everybody and just all this shit. And then, you know, a couple albums later, they're still doing stuff like that, but they're also (laughs) doing this fun song about fucking touring in Europe and like trying to rationalize how fucked up. And I I love that. They're, they're consistent in a way that 
still grows every time. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, this song, I feel like London Drugs also, like, really uh, shows them being 30. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, man, I really like these drugs, but I probably shouldn't do as many. And maybe if I'm going to stop, now's the time. But, uh Ah, whatever. <laughs> it's like that, and I can't stop drinking. You're like, oh, okay. We, yeah. I, I, I can pinpoint the time in life you're at right now. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Cool. So, Cecilia, you want to get into, uh, you want to get into nice things? Ah, yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, just to start, I wanted to say something that's I thought it was super interesting. So every time I do one of these songs, I that's a Tom song. I go to see if he has done a Reddit AMA that includes anything about this song because mm-hmm. he's done a lot of Reddit AMAs. He's talked about a lot of things in detail. For this, he didn't really say that much about nice things anywhere. But the only thing that he did say is in a Reddit AMA in November 2012, so it's, you know, right around the the height of On the Impossible Pass, uh, Tom actually called Nice Things the favorite song he'd ever written. So... That's fucking cool. Like, that is cool. I didn't know like, that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it, I, I've mentioned it in other episodes, and I want to make it clear, I love this song a lot, but I have noticed that they play it more than I would expect them to play this song. Like, I feel like it's popular, but I don't know a lot of people who it's, like, in their top three on this album. Like, it definitely, for, for a good amount of people, but just personally... There's a lot of songs that they rotate in and out, like Mexican Guitars and Sun Hotel and stuff. But this song is is pretty consistent in the set list. And now reading that, I'm like, oh, Tom just likes playing this fucking song. Like, he's proud of this song. So that makes sense. And it kind of makes my... Because I have a vendetta where I'm like, you played nice things, but you could have played (laughs) Sun Hotel, which I haven't heard in a while. So now I'm kind of okay with it. I'm like, hey, I I get it, dude. You really like this song. He also, in... There was a show review um for one of their shows in 2012 uh by the phoenix new times and the writer said that tom before going into nice things said this is a song about student loans that was interesting because i'd read that kind of after analyzing this whole thing and you know i definitely can see how it's about student loans of course but it's kind of interesting that it pigeonholes the whole capitalism thing into the whole student loans thing because that's not something that is explicitly said or implied at all so I don't know. I think it's cool that like that's where this stunned from because I feel like a lot of us, if we have a disdain for capitalism, it's typically coming from healthcare, housing, yeah. <laughs> or student loans. And uh, so that's just happened to be what kind of tipped the scale for him to write this song. I thought that was super cool. Uh, yeah, I would have never even like thought about it with student loans, even though I have them up to my my uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean definitely makes sense, falls right into the categories of, like you said, healthcare and housing and, uh, I don't know just trying to live, so. Exactly basically, <laughs> like, basic human necessities that are somehow so fucking hard because of where we live and the government that we have. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this was 2012, this was thankfully pre-Trump and, you know, it, during the Obama administration, which, like Tom is pretty openly in support of, but obviously had fair critiques of, as I think most people do. So it's just super interesting to see a song like this come out of a time like that, where now, you know, we have America, you're freaking me out, and like (laughs) things like that that have naturally progressed for a very good reason. One of the, you know, obviously I'm always trying to find themes. um, (laughs) And this song is so interesting because it is 
track 10 on the album, but is kind of making me realize a theme that I haven't seen otherwise, which is walls. And it mostly comes in this latter half of the album. So walls are all over this song, but also Freedom Bridge talks about the wall. That's like the whole fucking chorus. It's the wall they took us with them, you know, all that stuff. So I don't know. I, I, walls, it's weird that a new theme came in just like in the last couple songs there. And I, I totally dig that. Yeah, yeah. I always thought the placement of this song was weird until I actually like sat down and like pulled apart like all the the rest of the songs in the album after it um and I was like I was like oh it makes sense now but at first you know you listen to the album and I and I was like you know you have your very like you've you've talked about in episodes before where it just kind of like flows and then after you get to nice things and it's just like here you go you're like okay exactly (laughs) it's just like I, I I mentioned it on the um on the on the impossible past episode but it feels like the song on the impossible past was like a flashback of just like this bad thing happened and it changed things and now I'm kind of like in this adult world where I have to think like an adult whereas before it was kind of idealistic and um you know juvenile and nice things is just like snap your fingers wake up now you have responsibility yeah essentially (laughs) yeah and it's it's uh, probably one of the more relatable things about this I feel like I wasn't really giving this song too much mind when I listened to it after graduating high school you know just living my life but now I'm like you know an adult with bills and rent and I'm like shit (laughs) nice things really did that huh yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel the same way, where I think when I first started listening to On the Impossible Path, that, that's why I felt it, it was in a weird spot, because I didn't really understand the song, I guess, I, I mean, I understood the words, but I didn't understand, you know, you know, Tom writing it as an adult, me listening to it as a pre-adult, like, I didn't really understand, and now as, unfortunately, an adult, I'm like, <laughs> I hate this song because it's too real. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And it's also weird because this song does sound like it could be on a previous album. Like yeah, yeah. I, I could have totally seen this song being on like Chamberlain Waits or something like that. It just kind of still has that feel. But it's so interesting because it's like the sound sounds like it could be on a previous album, but the lyrical content could only be like this album and like further yeah. um, for sure because it's, it, it's a point of maturity that I think we hadn't gotten to until this point so it's definitely a turning point for the band and for the album in general so there's so much about walls I'm going to talk a lot about walls because I have so much breakdown about walls so literally the first lyric like the western wall is a jumbo screen um you know I heard that for the first time and I, I didn't or not for the first time, but, like, when I was starting to pull this across apart, I wasn't really, like, confident in what I was thinking. But there was a guy on my favorite website, Genius, who <laughs> had a really cool perspective. So I'm going to just read what he said. His uh, username is red underscore ink. I don't know who you are, but you're a cool dude. And he said, um, using Jerusalem's Western Wall, the holiest site in Judaism, as a metaphor for the entirety of Western civilization – The singer decries it and Western civilization along with it as merely a massive television, the epitome of vapidness and transience. What? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is um, probably a really, um, I don't know, eloquent way to phrase that, but it does put the line into a little bit better perspective where I'm just like, Oh, okay. He's basically linking religion 
and capitalism and like starting off on that note <laughs> for yeah, this it's song. Like, here we go. Yeah. yeah, here it fucking goes. And you know, this is obviously not the only time he mentions the Western Walls. He says in Freedom Bridge, he says the West Wall, it took us with it. So that, you know, is something that carried on through the latter quarter of this album. Um, and then later in the song, he says again, the Western walls are closing in, which after kind of thinking about the last line in the context that we looked at it in, it makes me feel like the America is the Western world. And it's always been seen as like this untouchable power, but um, the state of the country just keeps getting more and more dire. <laughs> like this is yeah. very um, prophetic <laughs> considering, you know, where we are now, considering where we were in 2012. Um, yes. Like I said, this was written in a pre-Trump political world, but could super easily be applied to what's going on now and if things keep going the way that they're going then yeah this is gonna constantly be a relevant song <laughs> yeah and like i i see it i feel like the song you can just look at it and feel so many different ways because i i have felt that same way and then um that you know it's about america and kind of us becoming this world power and you know every movie people watch is filmed here in Hollywood you know we're we're on a screen constantly but I also more recently in the last couple of months was sitting down um just looking at this and I I read the lyrics the western walls are closing in are you happy saying are you rich are you thin and Ah. it kind of made me feel um more of like a micro version of this where it's you know my daily life or my friend's daily life watching a tv or listening to a podcast or um reading magazines in the grocery store where it's just the media essentially projecting on what we should be so it's like like you could see this as america you know projecting themselves to the world but i can also see this as like America projecting themselves on Americans also. That does that make so sense? <laughs> no, it does. It's I, yeah. a note that I had later on is that the words happy, sane, rich, and thin are like you can kind of sort most forms of what American perceived well-being is and like what American success is can be sorted under those words. Are you happy? Are you sane? are you rich or are you thin? Because the alternatives are, are you depressed? Are you, <laughs> are you insane? Are you poor or are you fat and unhealthy? And all of those things are not necessarily like they're bad, but they are not inherently, they don't mean that you are unhappy, like that you're not well, that you don't have well being or that you're unsuccessful, right. but the American exactly. yeah. media, like kind of exactly like what you said, what America believes that it should be, kind of falls under those exact four categories yeah it's crazy and and that's a a really good perspective because it's yes it's what it's how the world looks at us but it's also all the crazy mania that just being here kind of proposes on us for no reason oh love it love to see it um my last wall note before we move really into the rest of the song is um the, the last line of the song. So I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but I just want to talk about walls. So the final kind of bridge that takes us out of the song is obviously the words, climb the wall before the fall. No one is waiting for you. Kind of layered over itself. Um, and the repeated overlapping outro is our last wall reference. And I take it two different ways. And I'm wondering kind of how you feel about it. Um, so I kind of see like 
option number one of what this part of the song means is like a sarcastic kind of go ahead, become a part of the machine so that you won't be eaten alive. However, if you choose this way of life, it's lonely and it's unsatisfying. Kind of just, um, sure, yeah. yeah, kind of just like uh, being like, go ahead. Like, if that's what you want to do, then cool. Fall under that trap. It's a very like punk kind of like, <laughs> all right, you do that. And then another option that I see is like, by all means necessary, do not let yourself fall victim to the circumstances that capitalize that capitalism makes difficult to avoid. Like it's easy to sit back and take and accept it, but unfortunately it's every man for himself. Yeah. So I think it's that both are kind of the same thing with, you know, the same message essentially, but it really depends on who you're communicating with. Um, I'm wondering what you kind of think about those lines. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I had never even thought of both of those ways that you just said. So that brings a whole new perspective to me on this song, which is cool. Uh, No, whenever I heard climb the wall before the fall, you know, over and over. And then the last, you know, the the last couple lines, uh, no one's waiting for you. Nobody's waiting. To me, uh, it's kind of like they're already have fallen in. They've already started this whole, are you happy? Are you, you know? Richardson um and it's like well you can get yourself out of like this perspective of America and that you have to be that way so climb the wall before you can't get yourself out um is kind of what I saw but then you know nobody's waiting for you (laughs) I was like I don't know what that means (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) it's weird because it, it kind of um like a lot of this album is either about like solitude that you weren't looking for or being, being a part of something and kind of going through things with somebody the, the line no but no one is waiting no one is waiting for you is like oh shit okay like this got real yeah <laughs> and um I know you've seen the Menzingers a bunch of times but um you've have you heard Tom do like the alternate alternate ending to this song lyrically I think so but I can't remember what it is yeah uh, so yeah but I, I know I have yeah, it's it's so strange because like sometimes he decides to do it and sometimes he doesn't, and it always catches me off guard. But um, sometimes he'll end the song saying, "Climb the wall before the banks destroy us all," which like, okay, yeah, we we got that this song is about capitalism, and you really just like drilled that home. Wow. No, uh, so I guess I have never heard him do that because really, that, yeah, no, I must not never have heard him do that. That is that's dope. Yeah, <laughs> For it's lack so of better good. Words. It's he hasn't been doing it lately and like it, it was at the point where like I expect it so I will sing it and then I'm like oh fuck you why are you doing the regular version I like this alternative ending and yeah. now you're not giving it to me Tom but yeah. I, I love that and I, I don't want to say I wish that was in the song because that doesn't make any sense but I love that it's something that he can throw in there occasionally because it's, I I love, I'm a huge fan of just live versions of things. I think it's so fun when like you can see a band enough times to know what little quirks they're going to add to a song that you're not, you know, entirely familiar with um, unless you see a band or like they have a live album or something. So that's just one that I like a lot and it gives basically the same meaning to the end, but just in a little bit of a, a more blunt way. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more clear, I feel like, once he exactly. does that. So that's really cool. Yeah, I love that. I love it so much. Now that we've talked all about walls, because that is <laughs> a huge theme in this song, um, I want to you know start taking it from the top. We start the song with the line kind of talked about 
the first level. The western wall is a jumbo screen. And then it goes into, at the gate, there's an automated teller machine, an ATM. Uh, <laughs> Sir, enter your pockets, please, before you, f- before you file through. So this is like the first real direct flick jab at capitalism because it's coming yeah. directly after that jumbo screen line and essentially you have to pay to be a part of this country and pay to be a part of the American dream and it's often not what it cracks up to be you know there's people who give up everything they have to come here and and be a part of what like you said what the movies make America seem like what the jumbo screen makes American life look like and it's of course not what it cracked up to be because you may be yeah. leaving a place with I don't know universal healthcare or or just like you know the general culture that you're used to and here it's kind of uh, there's a lack of of cultural or national pride unless you really find your place Um, (laughs) so this is kind of the first like oh you have to take out money before you're able to be a part of this and it's also like a line that's incredibly relevant for uh for really the the Space that we're at right now with immigrants um because fuck like you know it's being made harder and harder for people to come here and make their living honestly when that's genuinely all that they want to do i don't know it's um (laughs) a lot (laughs) it's a lot right off the bat and um it makes the song really that i think i feel like that's what makes the song really special where it's like okay we're not fucking around here. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> exactly. It's all it's yeah. all written in definitive terms. It's all, you know, given with kind of this stern fist that's like, I feel like it's kind of like those, um, I don't know, like anti-drug ads that are just like, you know, exposing, <laughs> exposing you to you the dangers of things. Drugs. Exactly. Into the couch. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this song is this is your brain on capitalism so the net this line that follows it is one that i really really like a lot the line goes the king and queen foreclosed on their crowns while the joker laughed and made his rounds he was drunk carrying on self-satisfied i fully totally honestly did not know what the fuck they were saying there for a little bit um <laughs> So once I kind of, you know, honed in on it and realized that it was the king and queen foreclosed on their crowns, I was like, shit, like, first of all, that indicates the severity of the situation that we're talking about here is that nobody is safe from economic troubles. And then there's the Joker who comes in and he is a stand in for alcohol, essentially, like he is alcohol numbing the pain of the world. He's the person who's there to make everything better. Just like on this album, typically alcohol and substances are the things that are there to make everything better and make it go away (laughs) while the world's crumbling. Um, So I thought that was cool because like it's so much of the references to alcohol are very blunt on this album. And that's something that I see as a more subtle um, bringing in of that theme and I also love the idea of pointing out that like it's not just the middle class or like the lower class it's like anybody is kind of in trouble based on where the economics of the world are going right now in this country um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I, I, I just 100% feel that yeah, and cool. <laughs> it, it only takes I mean there's some statistic out there I don't know off the top of my head where you know it only takes x amount of trouble before someone 
aka a king or queen who's in, you know, really good financial stability to just find themselves at the end of the line where they never expected, you know, a, a right. couple of surgeries or, or something, you know, you know, as someone who lives paycheck to paycheck, I can't even imagine, yeah. you know, one surgery, homie done for. I'm, I'm just cashing in, you know, I'll be like, you know what? It was nice knowing you. <laughs> well, that's so true. It's, 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 we're always, a lot of us, and I'd say most of us are one tragedy or inconvenience away from being completely you know, having a complete tailspin and even people who are, you know, I don't know. I think of like Shit's Creek, like they, oh my God, yes. you know, like they're <laughs> yeah. on top of the world in that show and they're fucking rich and have an empire. And then somebody mismanages their money and they live in a fucking motel in a town they bought as a joke. Like, I, I feel like that's an example of like the king and queen kind of, um, <laughs> Sorry, I just love that show so much. Oh my god, me fucking too. I just thought of it as I was talking. I'm like, that's a perfect example of that is, like it is. could fall from grace from just people being shitty or the system being shitty. Um, because like not to say that though I mean, I don't know who listening to this podcast has watched this show. <laughs> I, I don't know what the crossover is here, but they not that they have done everything right, but it what went wrong for them was something that was relatively out of their hands. So that could happen to anybody yeah. um, in any way. And, and, you know, the idea of foreclosing on your crowns, like the, the literal thing that makes you what a Royal is being like, okay, this is what I have to give up. And there are no Royals in this fucking country. So clearly, you know, he's talking about <laughs> maybe the tippy top of the 99% here, the people who think yeah. that they're the 1% when they're not, um, I don't know. It's it's a really visual metaphor there, and I'm just picturing this jester, like, <laughs> in a very literal sense, just kind of swooping in and just like fucking shit up to kind of make everyone feel okay. Like, oh, dance for me, <laughs> you know, make everything <laughs> fine. Everything will be good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we talked to we talked about the happy sane, rich or thin line, which, like I said, can kind of literally apply to everything it, it just makes me think of like the next line being dreaming their dreams singing songs of another time is your gold so strangely acquired has your name become known and desired have you degenerated are you running out of time so like when i hear this series like this verse it makes me think of like when you first graduate college but you don't have a job yet and everyone's asking you about what you're doing next but you have no idea that's just yeah. what I always picture it's just like I, I I used to hate being around like family members during that time and honestly I do right now because I'm kind of in between things and um it's it's always just like the one thing that I, I don't know I can't speak for other people's families but I feel like with me it's like the small talk that you choose to have with people is so typically fixated on work and like yeah. success rather than like general well-being and happiness because there are people who could you know work in a you know work two retail jobs but they love both of those fucking retail jobs and they're having a great time as right. opposed to someone who you know went into a job and doesn't feel like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing or like you know really anything else it's just so interesting how fixated people and I'd say particularly Americans are on things like has your name become known and desired? Like, I don't know. It's, um, yeah. it feels like, I don't uh, know if you cross anything like that personally, but it's, um, that one hit home for me. 
Yeah, my, my favorite thing right now is, um, like I said before, you know, I work for a nonprofit, which means um, I make nothing. Um, but I do I do something I'm passionate about, which is what I care about. And uh, it's really funny, um, less for my family, more from duck up white dudes in bars that are like, <laughs> well, why would you do that? Who, who cares? And I'm like, I'm not even I don't I'm not explaining this to you right now. But um, people don't sometimes don't understand or they'll say like, oh, that's so good of you to do for right now. I'm like, what do you mean right now? Right. Like, they're like, oh. oh, you're young. It's fine to do that now. And I'm like, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's thing. the yeah. because it's not for nothing the thing the jobs that make people the most money are also so many of the jobs that are causing so much destruction or like yeah. and, yeah. and America baby exactly it's, yeah and it's people like you who are doing good work to make sure that people who weren't dealt the best hand are you know okay and that you know people kind of are weird about meanwhile it's just like Okay, you know that, like, what would happen to so many people if this didn't exist? The line, has your name become known and desired, really sticks out because it's, like, I feel like so many people are obsessed with their titles and, like, what is on their business card, what's on their fucking LinkedIn page, that that becomes more important than the actual work that you do. Um, what do you mean you want to know how much clout you got there <laughs> right exactly. I, exactly I've been waiting to use that word for like three weeks after I learned what it meant because I'm old now <laughs> <laughs> well you got it in there Cecilia I'm really proud of you thank you so much <laughs> It's it's wild and it's like I I just think of like freelance friends and like freelancers that I know and they're doing writing, you know, just to get their stuff out there and also make money where they can. And I could just picture like, you know, a meal at Thanksgiving where someone's like, oh, like, well, why don't you write for that that little newspaper, the New York Times? I haven't seen anything there. Like, you know, rather than yeah. valuing an achievement that at that level, that person might hold very dear to them. Like, hey, I got published in Vice. And yeah, it's not in fucking print, but, you know, it's out there. It, it, it They kind of impose their own perspectives yeah. on other people without fully understanding just because there's this weird concept of what work means and what different jobs and stuff mean like my my sibling works as an environmental canvasser and literally been doing that since college it's their full-time job and you know it's so crazy how many people in my family will just kind of boil it down to like oh that's so nice that you're saving bees <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was okay. gonna say, like, do they think she's like volunteering? Like, oh, that's a nice volunteer job oh right God. there. When I've told people what my sibling does, like, all the time, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, is it like a volunteer kind of thing? I can't tell you how many times that happens, and I, I can't even imagine how much they get it. Yeah, you know, by themselves, it's wild. Um, and then you know, my other, my sister is a teacher, and everyone just fully understands that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's just oh, like, yep. oh, okay, yeah. But the people are also condescending when my sister says, "Oh, I teach in Newark, New Jersey," and you know, you don't live near Newark, New Jersey, but it's kind of like I would compare it to like Detroit, where mm -hmm. like you, you know, people are like, "Oh, Detroit," like, "Oh," yeah. and it's just like, "Oh, okay." Um, she's teaching, you know a group of people who may not have the chance to get a better education, you know, stuff like that. It's just people kind of impose their own beliefs onto others. And then it's not even necessarily what they're following themselves. A lot of the time they just think like, Oh, I have to rudely inquire about how successful you are, despite what I 
it's it's really funny like the same thing though like my my parents were my brother is graduating this year he's gonna be a Spanish teacher and uh my my parents know they're like yeah yeah he's a Spanish teacher and then they're like we're not quite sure what she does and I'm like it's not that hard like it's not that hard like uh and the things they come up with is so funny and it's it's mostly because they 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 don't live in big cities here you know my dad's living in a big city but he's like yeah she helps the poor people find places to live and I'm like Dad, no, <laughs> no. Reduce it down to that. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they mean well, but it is that whole thing where you know, um, it, it, if you're not working for like a, a hospital or you're not working for uh, a big corporation, it's it's hard for people to be like, this is what they do and why they do it. Um, right. Exactly. You know, it's easier for someone just to be like, oh, yeah, she works at Amway, like, kind of thing. <laughs> no, that's so true. And, and yeah. anytime time that I've, when I had a full-time job, it was so easy to just kind of say that. And then I'm in a place right now where I work multiple jobs and I'm like, please just don't ask me about it. <laughs> please. I just, I don't want to get into it. I don't yeah. want to explain my multiple positions and freelance projects. I just, just, just leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's one that so the the going back to the line that you know and it kind of goes into dreaming their dreams singing songs of another time i i love that lyric especially dreaming their dreams um you know even connecting it back to like employment like uh and back to you know are we following what you know, America wants us as individuals yes. to be. And, and, you know, I have so many friends who are doing so many different things that it's super untraditional, right? Uh, according to America itself. And right. um, that I always relate that back to it. Like, are you dreaming their dreams? Are you singing songs of another time? Are you, so essentially, are you following the ideas of the generations before you? Um, and I think that kind of ties it back into that whole micro America vision. So I think that's one reason why I thought this song was a lot about that too. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. so true. It, it, when I hear that line, I think like, are you dreaming your own dreams or have you taken on the dreams of your parents or like right. society or America or whatever it is? And then like, you know, saying like, are you rich? Are you thin? Like, it, it's just like, okay like are you rich yet like are you have you have you you know see above why don't you try to do any of those things why don't you try to be happy and sane and rich and thin it's like okay I'm on my own path and I don't want to you know succumb to kind of what your view of the world is and you know I feel lucky enough that I I my parents have always been like supportive of what I'm doing even if they don't fully understand it they try to the best that they can yeah. uh, but there's so many people, like, I just think of the, the the constant story of, like, family of doctors who has a child who wants to be an artist. And it's like, right. oh, no. Uh, I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so, so upsetting because that's that has to be such an insane internal conflict to go through. You know, I get annoyed enough when people ask me about shit that I'm doing, but I'm lucky enough to have a decent support system to be, you know, have these kind of dreams imposed on you without you asking or it's like oh you're gonna take over the family business one day and that's just like your decided destiny despite the person that you grew into like that's fucked up yeah yeah and so unbelievably american like even if it's you know immigrant families or like you know it it is so unbelievably american and i'm like fuck like (laughs) this should not be a thing that defines us Exactly. And 
it doesn't feel like a thing that should happen here yet it it does so yep it most but certainly that does. america so <laughs> love to see it yeah. um so i mean really the main thing to talk about now is the chorus um i you know, love this chorus <laughs> it's so it's like it's kind of what drove me to feel like the end of the song is like a more sarcastic, um, like, go ahead, do this, like, go, you know, go ahead. Because, like, the line, like, do you want nice things? Sure you do. Like, do you want to feel <laughs> safe? I feel like, shit, like, okay, uh, are you threatening me? <laughs> it feels like it reflects on the inevitability of capitalism, like, you know, in order to feel safe. And like, that's kind of what I've related to your position in, in working in housing is like, do you want nice things? Do you want to feel safe? Do you want to have a roof over your fucking head? Like every normal person in the world should. Oh man. The, I have so much internal conflict. with this, But <laughs> my favorite thing is, you know, people, so, you know, I work in affordable housing, so it's not income based. There's a whole thing, but anyways, people essentially think the apartments we build should be like, all right, here's some cupboards that are barely on and you, you get one shower and maybe a mini fridge like <laughs> never read the comments on anything that has to do with affordable housing by the way oh. you'll really find out the terrible people in the world but i um, can't even imagine yeah someone commented once on on something and they're like wow those are nice apartments must be nice to get everything for free and i was like oh. i was like someone shouldn't have a toilet because they can't afford it Oh I have a my god! <laughs> but yeah, so it's that same thing where it's like uh, a lot of people in America don't think that people shouldn't have. I don't know. It's kind of going against this time a little bit, but like people should have semi, you know, nice things, even if it's not, you know. I don't even know how to explain. It. I don't know how to get into it. But yeah, it, well, yeah. I think some people think that like if you're poor you like it, that it has to do or if you're poor or if you're disadvantaged that that has to do with your work ethic and that doesn't make any fucking sense no. because really? it's a cycle it's it's a cycle that's fucking really hard to break and those people deserve to live not just in a state of like this is the bare minimum like everybody deserves to be comfortable not just you know no, <laughs> That's me every day, but no. And, and the thing is, uh, uh, something I've always said is like, uh, I I work in affordable housing and I work towards housing justice because you can't feed your kids, you can't keep yourself healthy, you can't you know further your educations or your children's education um, if you're worried about where you're going to sleep or if where you are going to sleep that night is not somewhere safe that the door yes. is locked, the window is locked, or you don't think the roof's going to cave in on you, or it's not a place where. You can save money because you can make meals, but you're given such a poorly put together kitchen that you have to go through the McDonald's drive through every day and waste your money on that, you know? Exactly. Um, and, and, and so I think, I mean, obviously there's people who don't fall into that category. There always will be, but yeah. um, I feel like most of America and um, all, throughout every generation sees that if you're getting help from the government or help from a nonprofit in some way that it should be the bare minimum when really uh, the bare minimum is just giving someone a fish, not teaching them how to fish. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to put that. And, and it's so true. It's like, uh, and not for nothing, the people who are being, correct me if I'm wrong, but the people who are being given assistance from the government are held to a standard that 
a lot of people are not held to, you know, there's a lot of reporting in and like, you know, being accountability that, you know, no person who's, you know, well off or normally comfortable really ever has to think about, but these people, you know, they have to be put in a place where they can do that. It's kind of like getting out of prison and being expected to get a job, but it's hard to get a job because you get out of prison and then you have to check in with a parole officer every so often. Like there's so you don't much have an address to put on an application. Exactly. Or, or like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and my thing too, is when you're getting help from, this is a tangent, but when you're getting help <laughs> from the government, uh, I've seen that paperwork you've had to put, you you know, I, I've personally filled out that paperwork that you have yeah. to fill out to get, you know, food stamps or cash assistance or, or really anything. And um, if you don't have an education and you're trying to fill out this paperwork, uh, good luck, because yeah. it is some of the some of the work they don't use, you know, regular, you know, <laughs> regular words or, or, you know, words for people who don't have an education, really. And um most people get dropped from assistance simply because they don't fill out the paperwork because they don't know how to fill out the paperwork. Oh my um, God. And it's crazy. So if someone has assistance, they've gone through the ringer to get that assistance. It's not like you call, yeah, don't you call like 211 or whatever number you have there and just say, I would like more money now, please. And I'm just like, <laughs> right. okay. Like, <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And it's why so many systems are in place to keep people accountable too. Like, like WIC, you know, there's only certain things you can use that on. And, yeah. you know, there, I could go on fucking uh, forever. I really could. On this. <laughs> uh, honestly, so, yeah. seriously. And oh. I would listen to it because it's just so fucking fascinating that like the things that people just choose to be oblivious to and then have the nerve to put their input out there like it fucking matters yeah and I and I think people aren't I don't think people are um, purposely oblivious sometimes it's literally because you didn't grow up having to do that that's true you didn't grow up having to go and take your food card to the store and figure out what you can and can't buy. So of course you're going to judge people in line and think they can't buy that when in reality they can, because you didn't have to live that way. Like, <laughs> uh, anyways. No, but I mean, it really makes yeah. this, this, this chorus boil down to like, yeah. it's not just a repetitive chorus. It's literally kind of like that, that stabbing, you know, reminder or yes. like uh, presence essentially. And, and, and what I love about this is they, you know, they say, do you call nice things your own? And, and to me, I really didn't realize that this until about like 10 minutes ago, as I'm looking at the lyrics <laughs> that how many nice things people have in America that really aren't their own because they, <laughs> they're on credit cards or, or car loans or mortgages, you know, when really the bank owns it, not you. Right. Nice thing. Um, and I feel like that may be what Tom was getting at here is you know, we live in a in a country where you can have a new Maserati and live in a condo, whatever. I don't know what people have yeah. there right now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and but you really don't have that money. It's all on credit, you know, and that's that's the American dream now is living on credit, essentially. Um, that is such a good wild. Point. Yeah. No, that's a really great perspective because, like, I just think about so many people, like, I I wonder all the time, like, will I be renting my entire life? Like, will I ever have, like, my backyard? Like, the things that people just kind of, like, you know, grow into and never have to think about, like, that's just, like, their next step. And, you know, the older we get and the more we see everybody, you know, get married and move into houses and, like, do their thing, it's so easy to kind of get in your head about that. I 
think that personally I've, I've done an okay job at kind of realizing like hey there's a time for that for everyone and you actually don't know is that person completely fucking ruining their life and their financial sure. situation by <laughs> doing the thing that you're jealous of right now yeah like, you really don't know you don't and that's so much of what it comes down to it's just you do not know about people's individual you know what the what their decisions are being based on <laughs> and, yeah, and and Nobody should just fucking judge each other. It's, <laughs> it, it, it would just be so much simpler if everyone was just perceptive of the fact that, like, you will not understand what a person had to go through to get this small thing. Um, ugh, it's it's a lot. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and I only laugh because it's, like, literally, I feel like that's just how a lot of people in our generation are just living now. It's just like, oh, well, you gotta laugh about it because, you know, I probably will be living with six people for the rest of my life. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Like, right, right. It's like that meme where, like, what is it? <laughs> the house is on fire and the, it's oh, a yeah. dog or something. <laughs> it's like, this is fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Me, every day. It's living basically, this- like, the millennial flag. <laughs> It's just that image. I will fly it proudly in front of the home that I rent. <laughs> like, All my landlord yells at me to take it down. Right, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But I have a broken sink. Excellent. Oh, man. You know, we, we broke down most of this song. And it's just, there's so many small little punches that are packed throughout it. You know, as we've obviously discussed. But the fact that it just keeps getting called back together by like do you want nice things of course you fucking want nice things like yeah. you you know do you want things that are your own and do you want to feel safe and comfortable it's really the big question i think that especially affects people in our age bracket right now and will likely be even worse for the people in the age brackets below us i don't know um yeah. you know I can't even imagine what a Gen Zer is going to go through when they're, you know, coming of age to oh be part of the world. <laughs> Maybe they'll be used to renting because they're, or, you know, the generation, uh, like our, our generation's children will be like, oh, yeah, of course we rent. Like, what's new? <laughs> That's true. That's true. They do have yeah. us learn from it. I think our, yeah. the millennial generation is a lot more outspoken about negative things rather than, I'd say like the boomers and the people who are in the generation above us who don't realize how their actions affected the generation below them. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're kind of more apt to, uh, to cop to that. You know, so many of us are just trying to make this planet a place where that's okay for, you know, the people who come after us. Whereas a lot of people before us just were like, Oh, let's get fucking rich and be comfortable for ourselves and take care of our very small circle of people. Um, so I don't know that that is one thing that I, I do like about our generation is it, it's not everybody, but it's a fair amount of people who are thinking about, you know, do I give a shit about someone who I've never met whose experience is not my own? Right. <sighs> yeah, that is it is a little refreshing to hear that. <laughs> I think I've been hearing it more and more, even from like not to get too political, but from like one election cycle to the next, like I've yeah. heard. I've heard people's tone change about caring for other people so much in the last four years, which is like um, depressing that we have to go through this, but also um, sheds a little light on like the changes people are trying to make, which is really cool. So yeah. That's um, true. yeah. If anything's going to make us resilient, I think it's <laughs> gone right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
good thing that it's happening, but you know, if anything's gonna kick our ass into shape, uh, yeah. I'd say it's what's happening to the world. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Hopefully, at least I hope. Um, yeah. I, I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and I, I have to ask you before I forget: sure. Have you seen the music video for this song? For nice things. Yes. I am totally honest with you. I don't think I knew there was a music video for this song. Okay, I didn't either until like a couple weeks ago, and when I like was just googling a bunch of stuff. Do me a favor when you're done with this, go watch it. It is by far the most 2012 music video you'll ever see in your entire life it's essentially them all four of them sitting at a bar drinking beers i can't remember specifically which beers but i think they're just in bottles like and they keep looking at the tv screen at the bar and it's an infomercial of a guy just like selling guns and like and like loaning out cash and that's the whole music video okay so i just googled it and like the <laughs> the picture that shows up is just a guy co- pointing a gun at the screen, but you see the Menzinger's album in the corner. I'm just going to, like, skip through this on silent. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so fucking funny. It, I watched it, and I had to stop it halfway through because I was laughing so hard. Oh, my God. Tom has a beard. <laughs> what is happening? I didn't know this was a thing. And the lines at the fucking bottom that are just scrolling by with like the words the menzingers. Do you feel safe? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. What? I, the phone number. Holy shit. Oh, wait, I have to wait the phone number to go through again. I think it's uh one. I have it like say, paused on my screen. It's one five seven zero men zinger. <laughs> I think it's zing. Yeah. Men's, yeah, it's menzing. And just the space before the punctuation. <laughs> Wow. Okay, guys, I'm going to watch this with sound on afterwards, but just skipping through it now, I think everybody needs to immediately go watch this. So good. The guy with the gun and fucking with the the record and the pile of money and the... What is like champagne bottles. Oh, my God. I want to recreate this backdrop that's going on here for, like, my wedding. Just, like, just gold streamers, white paper little stars that say nice things on them and then this guy in a suit what is this guy doing right now this guy in the suit i I really hope this is like one of their uncles or like some some like older dude they met at shows a bunch or something he's like oh yeah i'll be a new music video i'm gonna take to twitter and find out who this is i need to fucking know who this is i really like that i'm really just skipping through but i really like this shot at the end where they're all on the tv and then they Start oh, throwing cups at themselves. <laughs> this is amazing. Wow, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I genuinely, you know what I think it is? I think when I Google this song normally, I have definitely seen that image before where it's the guy pointing the gun at the screen. So uh-huh. I just expected that it was a weird screenshot that someone put to the song and it wasn't actually a music video. Because it doesn't look like it would be a music video. It certainly does not. So I just, oh. wow. Okay. So this good. is great news. <laughs> they make sense that they made a music video of it since Tom likes it so much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that really just made my fucking day. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna find out everything about this fucking. <laughs> I can't wait. It's, yeah, I'll, I will fill in the world for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man, Cecilia, do you have anything else to say about nice things? 
Uh, no, not about the song in particular. I, I, I think we really got into it. And I, yes. think what's, I think what's cool is, you know, you and I both had very different, like, what we thought the song was. And they both make a lot of sense, which is kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, but in well, the it, end, it's like, fuck corporate America. Exactly. Like, Disney, F them, dude. It comes down to, you know, it's just like everybody's kind of financial and life status. Like you could never actually understand completely what another person is going through. And the only thing that you can do is try and reach out for other people's perspectives and try to build your, you know, knowledge base of what those are as much as possible so that you can, you know, properly fucking have a well-rounded understanding of people who aren't just, you know, cis white people or, you know, stuff like that. Like uh, that's just the, kind of what I take from this is just like try to understand people who aren't you and that's clearly something that you do in your work and you know part of why like I said I was so excited to talk about this song specifically with you because I feel like I could talk about this song with a lot of different people and they'll all be able to apply it in their own way but Mm -hmm. you know not a lot of people kind of make that their their work that they do so thanks for doing that because that's amazing (laughs) no problem (laughs) I just you know I I Drove when I was a Lyft driver, I drove someone to a job interview at the Passaic Housing Authority, kind of for a similar position to what I believe it is that you do. Um, And she was just like so full of life. She was just like she had a whole binder of ideas, like coming to an interview. And I'm just like, hell yeah, (laughs) I need to clone this beautiful woman. And, like, her brain and just, like, put her all over the world. Like, a lot of people kind of chase the glamour and the dream. uh, And the dream being the American dream. So, But I think that the American dream is just doing the things that help every person on Earth function. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it's morphing into now, which is cool. So, Yeah, I fucking hope so, dude. I hope that we, I can see that in our lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Cool. So thanks for talking about that with me. Um, Before we wrap up, I'm wondering, um, I I like, you know, I like to ask another random question. So why don't you tell me what's your, what's the favorite time that you've had seeing the Menzingers? Oh man. I mean, driving, driving to the holiday show, that was a lot of fun. It was my really good friends, uh, Lauren and Mariah. And we, we go to a lot of Menzinger shows together and Lauren just moved out to Portland. So we don't get to go to shows together anymore. It's Portland, Maine. And, um, uh, her, her, her fiance will got engaged saying her after the party lyrics. And then he proposed to her. So, you know, we're ah! big Menzinger fans over here. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, so there's a, there's a local venue here in Grand Rapids called the pyramid scheme, which is hilarious. And, um, <laughs> It's actually owned by, like, one of the dopest women ever. She, like, they, like, stopped serving Founders beer, like, a year before other people did after all of this, like, scandal stuff about racism came out about them. And she, she like, has run for City Ward. Like, she's really cool. Her name's Tammy. And um, so it's this cool punk venue that has no barricades. And it's just a low stage. And it's, like, I think it's, like, 250 max in there. Um okay. And that's where they play when they come to Grand Rapids. And any show there is so much fun. Like, the, like it feels like a regular old punk venue that is coming up with the times because they have chairs for people. They have, like, um, accessibility, like, um, yeah. access, a uh, side stage. And um, their bathrooms are, like, neutral general. They're, they're really cool. Um, but it also, like, 
literally you just like walk around on stage while the band plays essentially <laughs> um, it's, it's fun um so I think seeing any time seeing them there anytime has been a lot of fun and um yeah and then the first time I saw that blood fest I'll never forget that that was a lot of fun yeah really I mean cool. that's awesome so, I, I do want to mention one thing that I haven't heard anyone mention on here yet oh yeah I have a, a, a passion for it but <laughs> if if no penance isn't in your top five you're wrong like, <laughs> that song is a banger it's so good and it's so it's like not on an album right and right. like I'll I like show people who are mentioning this. It's like, I've never heard this song. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. I get like mad at them. And they're like, why are you getting mad right now? I'm like, because it's so good. And um, I don't know. That's so funny. That's how I feel about the shakes. I'm like, all of it's just like, I don't care that it wasn't on an actual album. Do you need to listen to this song right fucking now? Don't even talk to me. Yeah. Like, oh. there's a line in it. I think it's like, um, does your boss know rock and roll? Can you? Yeah your mortal soul now like listen to that as i'm like typing spreadsheets i'm like "Uh (laughs) i love that so much okay so so since you mentioned this song like i've i think i've talked about this before either on the pod or like to people but like do you you recognize how the chorus of that song is similar to heaven is a place on earth Yes, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I wondered why I thought I knew this song like before, and I was like, why do I know this? And then, um, I don't know who mentioned I don't think it was you who mentioned that to me. I think it, I can't even remember who it was. It was one of my friends here. They're like, and I, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh my god, I love, but I love that. So it's so um, great. I love it. And <laughs> it's like the hill I will die on, but there's been a couple of people who I've said it to. They're like, oh, I don't really see it. And I'm like, no, but like, you don't understand. <laughs> I, well, I had someone here in michigan uh, i can't i wish i remember who told me that um <laughs> that they said the same thing so you're not alone oh, okay <laughs> this is my campaign because like i love that song but i can't not talk about what i found <laughs> and there's like on the newest season of the handmaid's tale there's like a scene where june has an internal monologue where she's hearing like hospital beeps and it's making the tune of heaven is a place on earth and i'm like <laughs> That's me listening to No Penance. What the fuck? And it, I literally had to pause because I was laughing so hard because I'm like, I can't believe that like I'm finding this parallel in the fucking Handmaid's Tale right now. That's amazing. It was it's good stuff. I love it so much. I'm I'm very glad that you're on the same page there because like I said, yeah. some people haven't gotten it, and I'm like, I need to make a video or like I need to just like I don't know, make a mashup or something. Love it. A layover of it. Yeah it's just like here guys it's the same but no that is really that's probably one of the one of my recent favorite um I slept on it for a little while but I grew to like it after I heard it live for the first time and I was like oh wait this song is so much better than I remember it being and then I just spun it like constantly for like a week (laughs) his voice in it it's just like it's it's just just enough different from the other songs that I'm like, this is kind of funky for them, and I like it. Like no, I don't know, so yeah. True. It has like a little bit of a of a grit to it that we haven't yeah. seen in a while in a Greg song, and I was like, mm-hmm. fuck yes, let's yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, I this has been a great <laughs> PSA. Thank you for bringing it to the attention of <laughs> of everyone listening. Cecilia, thank you so much for getting on the phone with me. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we could do this from the yeah. many states 
part and hopefully at some point soon we'll catch up somewhere I don't know wherever we both end up are you going to Riot Fest yeah 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 so I bought my tickets Alex and I bought our tickets um in December because we were like ah they're cheap why not do it yeah and then uh that whole MCR thing came out and I was like cool as a cucumber I was like ah but I gotta go I'm not paying a thousand dollars like that's uh, that's kind of how exactly how I feel there's like six or seven dates within the area near me and I'm like I'm not gonna go through this I'm just gonna fucking go to Chicago like I normally Dude. do I I can't wait. I'm well. We'll see each other at Rye Fest. Then. Yes. Be... That's awesome. Oh, I was gonna tell you one thing that I think other people might think is cool too. Tell so me. By the time this by the time this comes out, um, the new Spanish Love Songs album will be out. Um, yes. And that whole album, from what I've heard and read online, and from hearing Losers and Losers Two, is gonna if you like nice things by the Men Singer, you're gonna love that album because That's it's awesome. all they put out. Um, they put out a little sheet on Twitter where if you like a song, there's three nonprofits that yes. uh, you can donate to or look up that is related to why they wrote that song. Uh, I saw that. That's so cool. great. That's <laughs> so. an incredible idea. And it's like, yes, a band like Spanish Love Songs should, like, they're on the up and up. Like, for them to be doing that is so fucking right. cool. I'm very excited to hear this album. I haven't even listened to any songs off it because that's a new thing I'm trying to do. Um, I try to also, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited. I think it's it's Friday that it comes out, right? The song. Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah. this will be out like two days before that. So oh, wait cool. two days, guys, and listen to Spanish love songs on Friday. That was my last plug. I was just thinking about that all day. And I was like, <laughs> that, so. I, you've already made two more astounding PSAs than anyone else. So I'm very <laughs> uh-huh. happy about that. Cool. <laughs> Cecilia, thank you so, so, so much once again. I really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you guys all for listening uh, to another episode of On the Impossible Pod. This is actually the last one that I'm recording for this album. So the next time I'm recording, we're going to be talking about songs that are not on this album, and that is so weird to me. Um, We're figuring out how that is going to go, but I do currently have a sign-up sheet if you are in the area and want to be on the pod. So please, uh, if you head to, you know, link... It, my website is weird. It's like linkter.ee slash OTI pod. But, you know, anywhere that you look up this or play it, you could just click it from there. And there is a sign up sheet. So if there's a song that you're passionate about or a couple songs that you're passionate about, please sign up. And if you are local to northern New Jersey, I want to have you in the studio and I want to talk to you. Cecilia is the only one who gets a Skype call. So everybody else. <laughs> so that's, that's just how this is going to go. <laughs> again, guys. And thank you so much for listening to On the Impossible Pod. Bye. Thanks again for listening. On the Impossible Pod is a part of the Angry Papa Podcast Network. All audio recording, production, editing, and artwork are by me, Cheska Colombo. Our podcast cover photo was taken and modeled by the beautiful Bobby Van Etten, and our theme music was composed by Ryan Heenan, a cool stranger from Fiverr. Follow us at OTI Pod on Facebook and Twitter, and on the Impossible Pod, one word, on Instagram, and be sure to subscribe to us wherever you do your podcast browsing. Angry Papa!